Yeah, you know, like I think something that's like really critical and also something I recommend for other founders to think about is basically like distribution because, you know, like it's not enough to just build something. You must actually also figure out like how are you going to distribute it? Like how are people going to like find out about you? Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu. And thank you so much for giving me the next 30 minutes of your time. I promise it'll be worth it. So today I had the pleasure of interviewing Amir Salah Hafendich, the CEO and founder of Doist and Twist. Now Amir has viewed life a little differently ever since his family fled war-torn Bosnia for Denmark. He began to see the world become borderless and that worldwide view has influenced his mission to shape the future of work as the founder and CEO of Doist, a fully distributed bootstrapped company that creates productivity tools used by over 25 million people globally. Amir has always believed that the future of work is remote and that's way before COVID-19. He believed that innovation doesn't just happen in offices. From day one, Amir began working on his first productivity tool to Doist from his dorm room. The Doist team has fully been distributed ever since then. It's now made up of more than 70 employees across 30 countries around the world, building tools like Todoist and Twist, an anti-slack asynchronous communication tool made for the modern workplace. Having bootstrap Doist to profitability, by the way, from the beginning, Amir has zero plans of ever seeking outside investment or exiting the company. In fact, <laughs> you'll hear exactly how he plans to exit this business. All right, that's enough for me. Let's jump into the action. So Amir, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me here, Philip. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, so Amir, for those who don't know, and obviously you're based in, in Spain, as you said, um, when we were allowed to go out, how did you used to introduce yourself to people when you were at a dinner party or a startup event? Um, you know, uh, I usually don't really want to go like all in on the like uh, nerdy stuff, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I just like uh, say that I, I work in tech, you know, without like many details. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah and, and then I guess if they push, then it's like, okay, this is what we do. Yeah, yeah. Then I tell them like I'm a founder of like Doist, a fully remote company of about hundred people, and we do like you know productivity software. We are most known for Todoist, and a few years ago we released Twist as well, which is uh, and like Todoist, yeah, is a to do app, and Twist is a team communication app. Uh, yeah, so that, that that's uh, about it. It's a short, sharp, and, and sweet. I mean. Because Todoist is, is, you know, it's a, it's a popular app, right? I think, you know, you have millions, millions of users. You're probably likely to bump into someone who use, uses your product, right? I mean, it happens like, uh, you know, almost, I have been to like a, quite a few like co-working spaces and like there's always, always somebody that knows it. And there's also somebody that is really like into it because with Todoist, it's kind of like you're either like, you know, a power user or like, you're not really using it. So <laughs> those users that use it, use it a lot. And then, you know, uh, 
they get, uh, get I, I get like a lot of great feedback and stuff. So it's actually really, really amazing when, when I meet like a, a really power user of, of, of the app. Yeah, I can imagine it's an amazing feeling. I mean, I remember when I built my, my first app and just having people, you know, at the time, and we didn't get to like millions of users, but, you know, at the time, having like thousands of people use something you created is, is always going to feel magical, right? Like, and I don't think it can ever get old. Yeah, that's definitely true. And especially like once you reach some kind of scale, you know, like we have, you know, helped people complete like billions of stuff like that that is a great feeling that you actually you know like are helping people like do stuff uh and then get stuff done yeah yeah so look we're going to talk about Todoist and and how the idea came about and how you how you managed to turn this this side project like you said into what it is today you know 25 million users fully remote team zero vc funding which is incredible um but before we get into that let's talk about Let's talk about you in the early days. So, you know, where did you grow up? I guess I'm assuming you, you grew up in, in Spain historically. Uh, and then, you know, who in your family kind of ignited the, the interest in technology and, and entrepreneurship? Yeah. So actually, like my like background story is quite interesting. Like, I, 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 you know, I, I was born in Bosnia. Um, and due to the like uh, Balkan wars of the 90s, we had to flee. Uh, and my family, uh, we were basically refugees and we went to Denmark. Um, so basically, I grew up in Denmark. And then, you know, like it's an even longer story, like how I actually came to Spain. Bef- before Spain, I-, I lived in a couple of countries around the world. Um, so it's really like a very dynamic uh, a story. Uh, and, you know, like... Um, early on, I really, uh, started to play with computers and, and, and my brother like started computer science. Uh, so I think I kind of like caught the bug from him <laughs> and I just like found it very fascinating, you know, to, uh, like ability to program stuff and even like internet, uh, uh, was like really a fascinating world. You know, you can basically go there and like, uh, you know, find anything and like, like create web pages and stuff like that. So, so really like, you know, I spend a lot of like my teen years just like, uh, programming, creating stuff, creating projects. Um, and I think like, you know, m- my brother was still like helping me out. Uh, and he's like 15 years older than me. So he was kind of like a, a, a mentor in, in this space. Um, yeah. Um, and you know, like in regards to like starting your own business and stuff, like I actually never really wanted to start my own business. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I still think it's kind of like, uh, like I had really some bad experience because my, my parents always had like a business and they ne- never could actually do like any vacationing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah. W- w- yeah, when, when I grew, grew up, I actually wanted, um, like for my parents to have like a normal like factory job where we, you know, like <laughs> they would be like home uh, like at, at five and we would have vacations like other normal kids. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of like the, the, and you know, like with the whole refugee situation as well, like, you know, we were not super wealthy in Denmark mm-hmm. either. So, you know, like uh, um, my parents in Denmark had like a grocery store. So it was like really, really tough work. And uh yeah, like the whole family also helped. And, you know, I grew also up just like helping, uh, like, uh, you know, putting like groceries up and, and selling groceries and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I had like a really bad experience of like, you know, starting your own business and, and owning your own business because 
I kind of knew like what, what it actually entailed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's such an incredible uh, background. And, you know, I guess, you know, how old are you when you left Bosnia? Uh, I was like five years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's still quite impressionable and still something that I would imagine you, you kind of remember. Yeah, honestly, like, you know, uh, we had an amazing life in Bosnia. Uh, like, uh, my, my parents also owned a business there and, and we were, uh, like quite, uh, well off. Uh, and, uh, I didn't have, like, we didn't have a lot of worries, you know, uh, so I had a really good, like early childhood and then like the whole trauma there with like, you know, uh, the war and then like moving countries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was quite tough. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. So, so you, so you had kind of like a taste of what entrepreneurship looked like, but you didn't like it, which is so funny. I think I was speaking to someone about this earlier and I think more often than not, the thing that we always try to run away from with regards to our parents actually ends up the thing that <laughs> becoming the thing that we run to, you know, we always say, Oh, I don't want to be like this. Oh, you know, my ma- my mom's like this or my dad's like this. So, you know, when I grow up, I'm never going to be like that. And then we end up being exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I find that quite fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that is so spot on, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah. You know, I had like a lot of fights with my fo- father because like, um, yeah, he's like, um, he's, um, passed away but uh, you know like we are very like similar in like uh, and then when you have like two very similar people for instance like contrarians <laughs> and uh uh you know you get a lot of fights and i was also like you know i'm never going to be like my dad but then like you know yeah you kind of end up like uh, mm. <laughs> being like your dad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny so funny and so so like you said your your older brother is is many years older than you he was kind of like the technologist. He was the one that was interested in computers that also, again, rubbed off on you. Um, so I guess you went to, to, to university and you studied computer engineering. Yeah. Yeah. I studied computer science in Denmark. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess from there was the idea that, you know, look, I'm going to get, I'm going to go into computer science. Um, I might not end up working in a factory like I wanted my parents to, but you know, I'm going to, you know, find a good job after, after college. And then, um, and then what did you kind of do after you had your computer science, uh, degree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's the, it's the, the story, story is like, uh, 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 yeah, like, uh, it's gone fuzzy again to where, you know, at the beginning when it was quite fuzzy. Oh, that's really bad. Is it better? Oh, no. Not quite yeah. sure what's causing it. It's so strange. Okay, it's sorted now. Yeah, maybe it's the cable. I don't know. Let me put it maybe like up. Um, is it better now? Yeah, much better now. Okay. Um, let me just make a note of the time so we can edit that out. Yeah, so we don't have like a random. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Should we go back into it? Um, yeah. So let's go back to what did you do after? university uh yeah i mean uh, the thing to note is like uh, i never actually really finished like i I was like finishing my master's degree uh but i actually never finished it because i kind of like started a a startup uh um so you know that's kind of like the 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 story is like uh i could never actually imagine myself either like working for somebody else um Mm. 
So that was maybe like also all the upbringing, you know, like, and also just like being surrounded by people that actually like had their own <laughs> business that I actually never really imagined myself like going and working in a normal uh, like setting. So that's why I think I kind of like got um, attracted to just like starting something on, on right. my own. Um, and yeah, like I never finished my master's. I, I, I co-founded a social network uh, called Plurk. Uh, which was kind of like a more traditional startup, like, you know, burning money, no business model. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and like, sounds uh, really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like uh, working a lot. Uh, so like, you know, I didn't really have like any weekends. Uh, I've worked like, you know, 12 hours uh, per day. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like my, you know, like, uh, and I was like very young. I was like 22, 23. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like my start into like you know, co-founding stuff and starting stuff. Yeah. Who did you start? Who did you start it with? I mean, you did it for quite a while. I mean, you did it for over three years. But um, who did you start with? How did you start? Did you guys have any money? Like you know, and how did how did it go? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, that's the funny story. Like we were actually like a remote first company, and this is like two thousand seven. Uh, so we were like a Indian Canadian guy. Uh, and a Malaysian Chinese and then like Boston Danish uh, dude like collaborating on creating like a social network um, and we did have some funding like one of the guys like he's quite wealthy and he actually backed that up initially and then at some point we also like get got uh, outside investment into it um, yeah so that's basically how that went but you know like even like three years in, like I, I was like so close to a burnout and I really didn't like the social network space uh, at all. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, why, I, why I can't, why? Why? you know, like um, the, the, the problem for me is like, I could really see it very early on that you optimize for the wrong thing. Uh, so you kind of optimize for engagement. You don't really care, you know, like if you're making the life of people better, and I suddenly like felt that I didn't really like do that. And, you know, like something I want to do is like, I want to wake up in the morning and feel like, you know, I'm contributing something positive to the world and not like, I'm just like, you know, trying to waste people's time. Um, so for me, that was a kind of a very hard thing to kind of like keep like being motivated by that. Um, and then like the whole thing also about like not having, you know, a business model, uh, just like burning money. Uh, and also, you know, like having like some investors that kind of pushed us with like very aggressive, um, like milestones and stuff like that, you know, like yeah. all, all of that, like just uh, wasn't really like part of like the culture or like the way I, I wanted to live my life. Um, mm. yeah. Um, no, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, you know, funny enough, the first app that I tried to build was, uh, well, I did build it. The first app I built was a, a social network as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's like the entry point for everybody <laughs> kind of getting to tech. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's build a social network. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's very unfulfilling, right? Like you, you know, especially everything that we know about like apps now, like reading like the social. I mean, watching that show, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, reading the book Hooked. We know just you know how damaging it it could be. Um, so like, how when did you decide that this wasn't going to be for you? Like, what did you do? Did you kind of like leave the company? Did it, did it end up just get, shutting down? Like how, how did it go? Actually like this, uh, social network is still running today. Around, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, and it has like, um, um, 
like a footprint in like Taiwan and I think Korea and Japan. Um, so it's still kind of running. Uh, but like for me personally, like uh, I, I did like a to- cold turkey and probably like if I'm honest, like I probably hit o- already like a huge burnout. Like I could just not do that anymore. Um, so that's why I like one of the days I just like wake, woke up and say, okay, I'm actually quitting this. Um, and yeah, so that's what I did. And and then uh, I kind of like had this idea of going back to Bosnia uh, because my, my brother actually returned back. Um, and then I basically got, you know, at that time I was, I was living in like Taipei, which is a city of like, I don't know, 8 million and replaced it with my hometown in Bosnia, which has like, I don't know, 10, 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was like a, a huge shock, like going back, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, you know, the, sto- the whole story is kind of like very, uh, complex, uh, but, uh, yeah, at some point like, I, I traveled to Chile and I, I start like a, a company in Chile via the startup Chile program, uh, which was basically like they, they give you like 40 K, uh, like uh, dollars to to just like start a company from Chile. There's like no equity oh, wow. yeah. oh, in, nice. involved. So I was actually part of like the the first batch of that program, uh, and I just like randomly like stumbled upon that on Hacker News, and I just like said, okay, like you know, let, let's just apply. And then I actually forgot I had applied, and like maybe a month later I got accepted. So I was just like, you know, where is Chile actually? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah so you know and then that's actually where the story really starts of doist of like you know um because like actually before i started social network i started to do this you know i wanted to do like a to-do app for myself i actually Mm. did that on the side while doing the social network uh and today's at that point had like uh, thousands of users and a lot of passionate users as well um, so I was just like, you know, this is actually the, 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 the way, uh, yeah, but actually, you know, the whole story is like more complex, but I think like, uh, it's probably like not worthy to just like in, go in hyper details. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, we, we, you know, we can get as complex as you'd like to get. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to, to unravel this story as to how we got to where we are today. So when you say it's complex, what do you mean? It was, was it complex? Cause you still had the social network. I mean, like how many users did the social network have at the time? Um, you know, was it, was there some technical issues? Like, you know, what, what was complex about the, the growth if you want to get into it? Oh no. I mean, uh, you know, like, uh, when I got to Chile, like the social network was kind of gone from my life. Like I didn't really care about it. Um, right, but it. actually like, uh, the, the, the project that I, uh, like applied with to start up Chile was something called like we doist which is very similar to the list, but it's based like a project management app. Um, And like six months into that, I could actually see that like, this is not really going very well. And why, like, you know, I only had like Todoist, which was actually like growing, had users, uh, had actually paying customers. (laughs) Uh, And I was just like neglecting, you know, Todoist. Um, So uh, at that point I said, okay, like, let's just, you know, uh, shut down we do it and just like focus on today's because that seems to be you know the project that has the most traction um yeah so that's basically the complexity of that is actually like um you know it took me like four or five years to figure out that today's actually was a very good idea and actually that's it was like a good business <laughs> yeah it's crazy so 
you built to do this on the side while obviously at the social network. How, like, how did you build that? Did you build it for the company or was it just for yourself to use while you're building? It was just for myself. And actually I did that like before the social network and then I just like worked during the nights on, on Todoist. Yeah. Right. And then how, how were people, you know, you said you had customers, you like users, like how were they hearing about this side project thing that you were building? Like, what we, like, how did you even know to kind of like, I mean, obviously I'm sure you had experience with like the social network in terms of like marketing and communities, et cetera. But like, how were you getting the name out for Todoist as a side project? Yeah. You know, like I think something that's like really critical and also something I recommend for other founders to think about is basically like distribution because, you know, like it's not enough to just build something. You must actually also figure out like, how are you going to distribute it? Like, how are people going to like find out about you? Um, so for today, it's like uh, something that I did, I think quite well is like, I, I was good at pitching, for instance, like Lifehacker, like Lifehacker was a huge site at, at that time. Um, and, you know, they, they covered that. Uh, and then I also like uh, pitched different like features and stuff to like dig. I'm not sure like if you recall dig. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, interviewed, <laughs> I interviewed the CEO of dig uh, back in the day, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, I was kind of like, I think very good, not only about thinking about like building stuff, but also like promoting it, which I think is like quite critical. Um, and then I also had like a quite popular blog, um, where I basically like blog, uh, like maybe weekly, uh, stuff. Uh, and some of the pieces were quite popular. Uh, and actually I still have like some of them published, like, how the Reddit algorithms works um, and stuff like that, that kind of like went viral uh, and actually like, uh, so I also had like a following, like blog following. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's something that maybe like not enough gets recommended is basically like thinking about like distribution, <laughs> like uh, how you're actually going to attract people and like find people. Um, and a lot of times, like, you know, ads and stuff like that, it's like way too expensive to actually even be a viable strategy. So, you know, so real tactics. Yeah. That's, that's the, so PR, so PR works for you a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, okay. given the community as well of people that would use this, they would be people who are looking for like life hacks. Did you find that they had a similar profile to yourself? So like a lot of the people were maybe engineers or you know, product people and they just needed a tool to use. Like the, was that, was that the insight that you had that look, I'm going to go for a channel that worked for me or where I go basically. Yeah. I think like a lot of the early people were basically like, you know, engineers or like, you know, like life hackers, like people that actually were very busy and just tried to kind of like find hacks in life that can make their like life better. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And so to do is, so, so, so you're in Chile, you've got this 40 K you're doing this program. Uh, you, you know, what, what did you do next? Like, how did you know, like, okay, you were like, well, I have paying customers already. You know, how much was that? How much was the app at the time? Um, you mean, uh, like, uh, the business model of the app? Yeah. I guess it's a freemium model, right? Like you pay like monthly or yearly. Uh, yeah. Um, 
you know, like the thing is, I actually set the pricing model. I think like it was like one of the first to do apps to actually be paid. <laughs> and I basically set like the price point to be like $3 per, per month. And after that, like a lot of the others have actually just copied that pricing model, which isn't very good because that is a very low, <laughs> uh, like price point, uh, three, three dollars uh, a month. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, wow. that's basically, uh, that, uh, that I set. And then like, it was always like a freemium model. Like, you know, there was a free version and a premium version and the premium version had like extra features. Wow. Okay. So people are paying $3 per month. Uh, it's obviously providing value. So then, you know, what did you kind of do next? Can you were like, oh, look, I, I have this working product. People are paying. I'm going to double down on it. Were you, how much were you making a month as a, as a, as a company at the time? And then like, who did you hire next? Cause obviously you were the, you know, the marketing person, you were the engineer, you were the CEO, <laughs> you're doing everything. So like, how did you, how did you decide? And when did you decide like, actually, I'm going to make this a thing? Yeah, you know, like something that uh, I told my brother before I went to Chile is like my plan is to kind of like create a business that generates about $30,000 per per month. And then I'm going to be like, you know, set for life. Uh, um, so that was the initial goal. Uh, where, did that uh, fa- where did that number come from, 30000 I don't know. It's just like, you know, like if I could come with a number that like could let me live the, like the life that I actually wanted to live, then that's about like the 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 you know like the amazing life I, I would want for myself. That was basically the number I, um, uh, yeah. But you know, like, uh, and then w- once I returned back and started to focus on today's, like, the thing to know is like I had like four years of like experience building like, like high growth social network. Um, that based like you know Plurk reached like tens of millions of users. So I had like a lot of experience, both like technical, but also like, you know, um, of how to scale stuff uh, that I didn't know about before. So when I actually like returned back, uh, I was quite fast to kind of like just change some stuff. For instance, like, you know, do uh, analytics. Like I, like I didn't have any analytics uh, like for the first four years. Uh, so like <laughs> analytics was basically like... <laughs> Or opening, you know, like uh, the console and like doing a query directly in like MySQL. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, uh, so it kind of like, you know, introduced like analytics. I did like optimizations, like CEO optimizations, um, then like conversion optimizations, uh, you know, landing pages optimizations. Mm. Um, I also hired like a sport person. So that was actually the first hire I did because... I was like getting so much support from people that, uh, you know, I could not really manage it. And then I got like stressed because like my inbox was just like overflow with like messages. Um, yeah. So, and honestly, like, I think it took me like maybe, I don't know, like six months to reach maybe oh, not 30,000. Sorry. Oh, it's, 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 it's again. It's breaking up again. Uh, this is really, sorry, sorry for the, uh, like, uh, I think it's me. I'm not sure why it's, it's me talking. <laughs> I think it's something, I think something maybe to do with the cables. Uh, is it better now? I'm no, just, it's, still, just, it's, still, it's still crackly. still fuzzy. So strange. 
Uh, st still bad. Uh, it's getting better, getting better. And say something. Hello, hello. Better, much better. Thank you. I, I, I have no clue what is going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so uh, I think we were on like, uh, like what, what, like uh, revenues. Um, like yeah, a little you, revenues. So yeah. So no, you were on. Re no, you were on. Um, you hired support, and then I think you were going into revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that's it. Like hiring, hide the uh, the support person that kind of like alleviated some of the work. Uh, and then like the goal I have set for like thirty k per month actually was quite uh, achievable. I think like I didn't reach thirty k, but I think I reached like maybe twenty or something like that. And then I figure out like you know like I'm not really doing this for the money. Like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so um, that's when I actually thought about like okay. Uh, let's maybe hire more people, like, you know, spend some of the money that that we are hiring. And like some of the early investments I did was basically like in mobile apps. Um, so I hired like some people that could like help out with like development of the mobile apps. Um, and then after that, desi uh, like a designer as well that could make the apps like look nice. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so, and then like, uh, you know, and also the, some of the early people that are hired, actually, like, they are still working at a company today. And I have like no clue why they joined because like, you know, I provide like very little like security or like, you know, <laughs> like uh, money. Like, uh, you know, I told basically uh, one of them, like, uh, you know, I can only like pay salary for like two months. And after that, I actually don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, they must have trusted you because they, they still came. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. You know, and like these people have just like stuck with a company like ever since and been here like almost for 10 years, which is really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So like there's so much to unpack here because usually you know, we, I talked to people about like this big vision they had and they're like, yeah, you know, I set out, but this is quite an unusual story because it's like, you built this thing for yourself. Um, it, it kind of like gained traction and then you went to Chile randomly. Um, <laughs> and then you kind of built out the team from there. And so how, how did it continue to grow? Were you using the same tactics and like, how did, like explain to me how you went from like 20 K revenue to, you know, obviously that person, you managed to keep paying them for more than two months. So some things must've happened and changed along the way. Uh, what, what were those things? How, how were you growing? Um, and what were some of the challenges? Cause you know, right now it sounds like a very smooth sailing story, but I'm sure it wasn't smooth sailing the whole time. Or was it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like, um, I think it's like much better to build stuff out of passion than like out of a plan. Um, so for me, just I could see like there, there was like a, a need for like a to-do app that was, you know, uh, really, really great. And then also the people that we hired, especially like early on, like we're also very into this, like building this type of stuff. So we really like build stuff with passion. Uh, and I think that kind of showed in like the products that we actually built and shipped. Um, yeah, I think like it would have been much worse if, you know, our plan was based like a business plan, you know, that you kind of like dream up 
and then <laughs> you go out and execute. Um, like our plan was just like building something that we actually wanted to use. Um, yeah, so that's probably something that I can like deeply recommend doing that. And like smooth sailing, you know, like um, there's like never smooth sailing, you know, and even like at, at our current, you know, like we make like uh, tens of millions of revenues right now, but um, you know, um, it's not smooth sailing. You actually get becomes like much more complex as you grow. <laughs> so that's, a, you know, it was really simple in the beginning where you had like a few people that, that you need to, to manage and where the complexity were like were, very uh, low. Um, but, you know, I also think like it's kind of like enjoying every part of a journey. Um, so the early days are really tough, but also like uh, neat. And also like right now, I'm not really complaining either. Like it's just like part of the journey and, you know, just like, um, you know, it's kind of like climbing a huge mountain and then like needing to enjoy every piece of that, like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that climb. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. And like, you know, like you said, you're at a hundred people now. Um, and were, were there any kind of like, ta- um, obviously you spoke about like building, you know, the product that you would want to use and like having the team who are passionate about the idea as well you know, a lot of your employees were kind of like users, I guess. Um, but like, you know, I really want to kind of delve into the, the scaling aspect as well. Like, again, is it, is it growing purely from word of mouth or was it PR again? Or like, you know, at 25 million users, you know, something must have worked. <laughs> and it also could have just been an amazing product and it, and it is an amazing product. You know, I know people who, who, who live by, you know, Todoist. Um, but like, I'm really interested to know because I think what a lot of people would love to know as a, you know, you built a consumer product that's done super well uh, without the traditional forms of funding, right? Like you haven't took any venture capital, um, you know, millions of users. So they, you know, what's the, I don't want to say secret sauce or like, <laughs> but, you know, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Philip. Uh, you know, like I think there's kind of like a combination of, of, of things. And I think maybe there's like three things that are really critical um, here. Um, I think like first it's kind of the product. And we have already talked about that. Like the product needs to be great, especially right now. Like, you know, when I started out, actually the product could be, you know, a bit bad. Like today's was not very good at the beginning. Like it wasn't anywhere near here, but especially in the current climate, you know, like you need, like the, the bar is really set incredibly high. Um, so the product really needs to be like outstanding. Uh, then I think that's the, the, the first hard part. The second hard part is kind of like distribution that we talked about. Uh, like you need to figure out like, you know, how are you going to find a scalable way to reach out to your customers? Uh, and, and for us, you know, like, uh, the, the, there was like some distribution channels, for instance, like if you search for to-do list on any like search engine, you know, we are ranked at the top, like maybe top one in most of them. Um, um, and this like play store, app store, uh, you know, Google search, um, uh, and you know, like we don't pay anything for that. It's basically organic, uh, like uh, ranking that, that that we have like gotten over the years. Um, so that's kind of like a huge distribution channel for us. And of course, like for you, replicating that would be incredibly hard. You know, like maybe you can't even do it right now. Uh, mm. But I think like what what founders need to think about is like you know, 
Uh, can I find like some kind of like channel where I can basically get like almost free distribution? Uh, <laughs> and you know, like a lot of like uh, companies have found that like Airbnb, you know, they they kind of like went for Craigslist first uh, and found like some distribution, you know, there. Um, uh, and a lot of other companies, if you read about them, like they, they you know, you need to kind of like be creative and. Honestly, like I think that the distribution question is as hard as the the product. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And then the third one is basically like uh, luck and timing. I think also play really, really uh, 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 like a huge part into this because it's doubtful that like I could have started to do this right now on like the same way that I did back then. Um, yeah, so so a lot of times, like you also need to like time stuff correctly, and you know, be maybe at the forefront of stuff. So, for instance, like today's, um, like we were very early on on mobile. Uh, we were very early on, like you know, a SaaS app, like cloud-based SaaS app. There was not many of them at the time. Um, so maybe like you know, uh, yeah, like time it correctly, and maybe like also that can also solve like some of the distribution channels uh so for instance like right now just like a random idea is like you know uh decentralized finance you know it's still kind of like brewing up so maybe you know that could be a interesting uh thing because you know um if you can time that right like it's still a very very early market very small market and if you can get traction in that and you know once it becomes huge then you will basically you know also like uh get rewards for, 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 for that and like being early and like being part of the early wave. Yeah. You still think decentralized currencies is early to get involved in now? Um, I think like, uh, not, you know, like <laughs> Bitcoin, maybe <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, like uh, decentralized finance, you know, like re- rebuilding the whole finance system on top of like blockchain, I th- I still mm. think this is very early on and there's like so many innovations and so many hard challenges in this market. You know, this is just like a random idea, but you know, like that, uh, just to kind of give an idea of, 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 uh, of what, or like maybe AR or, or VR, uh, you know, because like, uh, for instance, like right now, it would probably be a pretty bad idea to try not to do like a, a new to do app, like, you know, maybe it will be, I don't know, but uh, it's think, just like, it's a, a super saturated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I probably am. But the thing is like, you know, it's a very saturated market and uh, the competition is very high. So maybe it's better like as a new, uh, like founder, like to try to like be super creative and think about like creative ideas and, you know, creative problems that you want to solve. Um yeah, no, no, that make that makes a, a ton of sense. So I want to shift gears now and think about, you know, and maybe this is this is quite interesting for other people to to like listen to because, you know, like I said a few times, you guys have, you know, 25 million users all over the world, and you haven't taken a, a penny of venture capital. And, you know, some people are going to be listening to this and be like, how the hell did he do that? Or like, why did he do that? And, you know, just before the call, we were talking about the guys at, you know, Atlassian, who, again, the guys in Australia, again, never took any money and grew an amazing business as well. 
was that always the thought process in terms of like, I don't want to raise any money, you know, this is going to grow organically. And like, um, and if so, like, where did that come from? You know, why did you not want to kind of like have that security? You know, you could have got to 30,000 a month a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something to know is like I had a very bad experience doing the social network. So that's basically where I got like uh, this mm. idea that maybe, you know, like burning money, not having a business model that wasn't really the best way forward. Um, so that, that's one thing. And also like very early on, like um, I got like interest from a, like a very famous uh, Silicon Valley uh, VC firm. And one of the first things they actually wanted to do is like replace me as a CEO if I got the seed investment from them. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, wow. From the seed uh, round. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know, I, I was like, uh, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, like those two things combined, I was just like, you know, fuck this. Like, uh, I'm just going to do this on my own terms. Another thing is like, you know, for me, uh, the the way that I also like think about things, like I think very long term, you know, I have been doing this for 14 years now. Uh, I actually want to like kind of die doing this. So what, what I also like to say is like, you know, like that is kind of my exit strategy. Uh, oh, wow. uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, like with, with that perspective, then like <laughs> you don't really think about like doing like short term things. Um, yeah. So like, you know, maybe we'll take investment at some point, but like, Right now, like I don't actually want to jeopardize like my freedom. Uh, you know, um, I want to do stuff my way. I, I want to like be in full control of like the milestones and like the plans that I have uh, mm. for for the company and like the company as well. Like you know, we have a very unique culture, uh, and uh, I want to preserve that and and grow that. Uh, yeah. So so that's kind of like a, 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 a like a, a bigger overview of why. Uh, I, I did this, yeah, yeah, and like if you can share now, like how how revenue wise, what does the company do in revenue? Yeah, you know, I think like uh, last year we were about like fifteen million dollars uh, in yearly revenues, and I think like uh, yeah, we grow about like I don't know, like forty sixty percent per year. Um, yeah, so you know, it's a it's a very good business, and, and you know, I think like uh, we have a lot of potential to like build something that's much much bigger than 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 it is right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like fourteen, fourteen. That's a lot, uh, fifty million in revenue is a lot of a lot of revenue. I would imagine, you know, VCs will be you know banging the door down to try and get involved. Um, do you know you have the potential now to do like you know a very huge series a round take some liquidity um and still be in control i don't know if that is that's the plan or you know you don't have to say your plan on on here but i mean um yes <laughs> that, that must have been running through your mind right like wow this is this is you know this is like a real thing and i could potentially have a huge liquidity event at some point yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, uh, that was never really my goal. That isn't really my goal. And actually, like, you know, most of the VCs that do reach out, I actually have like a template in Superhuman where I just like, you know, 
tell them to uh, that we are not really interested in that. Uh, um, yeah, you know, but you know, still, like it's it's possible. Uh, like it would be like a wise business decision. Like I know, like some of my friends, for instance, like uh, Wade from Sapia has done something similar. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, at this point, like you know, I don't know. It's just not something that we are really thinking that much about. Like we are just thinking about like solving harder problems and like growing the stuff that we have and you know having the culture that that we want. Um, yeah, yeah. And speaking of culture as well, I think that makes for a good segue. You guys are completely remote, and you guys have been remote, you know, pre-COVID. <laughs> so you know, this is this has been a way of life for you from the beginning. What was the rationale behind having a remote team? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like a lot of other stuff that I have done is like initially there was like no rationale. Uh, the rationale was that I wanted to hire people and I couldn't really find the people I needed in, in Chile. Um, so I basically started to hire outside of Chile. Um, yeah. But then, you know, over the years, and I, you know, like we did this like many, many years ago, like uh, over like 10 years ago. Uh, um, and then like, you know, d- doing this for a long time, like we could really see that this is kind of like a new way to work. Like this will have like huge implications to like future work, uh, to the whole world as we see it, because it's kind of like the first time in human history where you can have like an amazing job regardless of where you live. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, so that's kind of like, and the whole like remote thing, like remote first and like asynchronous first, um, was kind of like us for us. It was kind of like um, a moment where we could like see a much bigger vision with what with what we were doing, which is basically trying to like create the the future we want to work in. Um, so a lot of the stuff in even Todoist is basically like you know trying to find a better way to work, a better way to live. Um, so we are kind of like you know this at its like as itself is basically a huge experiment, like trying to find an alternative way to do this and do is like better than regular companies do it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, the whole like piece of, of uh, remote and how we actually got into it. Uh, and like, have there been, I can imagine there have been some challenges that come with that. I mean, you have employees in how many different countries? I think it's like 35. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of countries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have been some of the challenges in that? Is, and is remote work something that you, you personally advocate for now? Like, do you, do you think all companies could be remote irrespective of what they, what they do? Um, you know, I think like all knowledge companies, like knowledge worker companies, like will be, uh, like remote first and asynchronous first. Um, I I just think like there's so many advantages. Of course, there's some disadvantages as uh, as well, but there's like so many disadvantages. Like you know, the advantage of like hiring the best people regardless of where they are, uh, like giving you know the freedom to people to live wherever they want. Uh, like these are like very very big pluses that like you know regular like nine to five office companies will have a very hard time competing against. Um, 
yeah, so you know that's at least how I see it. I, I think this is kind of a, a huge uh, disruption, uh, and uh, most you know like if you're not going to adopt this, like you'll basically not be able to compete. Uh, that's at least how I see it. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, and I think again, you know, looking at some of the biggest companies in the world, you know, Envision, for example, completely remote. Um, WordPress completely remote. Um, you, you know, we, we've got there's a ton. You know, Jason from Basecamp, completely remote. Uh, I think stories like this need to come out about a lot more. Just the way you know, there's another way of doing startups. You don't have to go and get the most expensive office, raise VC money, and play that game. You know, there's another way to do it. And it, and it sounds like this way has actually made you happier. You know, I mean, is that a fair statement to say? Or <laughs> uh, it is, you know, and that's oh, sorry. the thing. It's kind of like up again. Sorry, it's uh, Oh my god! I, I think I almost upgraded my my headset. So it's really messed messed up. Uh, is, is it better? better? No. 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 It's fuzzy. Uh, better? No. Hello, hello. No, it's still still fuzzy. So strange. Hmm. Let me try to turn it on. Maybe it sounds better. It sounds it's better because now. it switched to the Mac one. <laughs> uh, is it better? Yeah, much better. Mm, yeah, I think I actually switched over to the Mac. Cool. So one more, please. Hello, hello. Yep, hello. Okay. So is this, uh, are we back? We're back. You were going to tell me about this way of being a startup founder makes you happier. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, like uh, happiness is kind of a... Uh, I had them, but uh, I, I think it does. Like you know, you can kind of like build the life that you want. Uh, like you know, I, I live in like beautiful city of Barcelona, and it's not like because I need to be here; it's because we like the city, and um, um, you know that's something that that is enabled by this type of work. Um, uh, and I think it's also not only like founder. Uh, it's also like the, our thing, our, our people are also more happy. Like, you know, uh, if you look at, uh, like retention stats from like remote first companies, such as like GitLab, Automatic and stuff like that, um, it's like over 90%. So almost like nobody leaves these structures. And I think the reason is like people are quite happy, you know, <laughs> like they can get an amazing job. They can live whatever they like. There's also like some, aspects like if you're special like asynchronous first as well then you have like freedom to work at uh whatever time you want so for instance like you know i can like be with my kids in the morning uh or like play football at lunch and like you know i can basically structure my days in a much more free way than like nine to five like uh yeah and then there's also no commute as well um yeah so there's like many different aspects of this that are really really attractive yeah, I think we're all experiencing them now <laughs> uh, without 
you know, we didn't, I don't think everybody had the foresight, but I think with COVID, especially in the UK and other parts of the world, you know, everyone's starting to realize that actually this could work long term. Um, so again, you're quite ahead of the curve on, on that too. Um, I want to ask a question a bit from, from like a, a general perspective with regards to startups. So when, when you meet startups, I don't know if you advise startups now, but like what are some of like the typical pitfalls that you find, or even if you just read about startups making that you just think, ah, oh, you know, I wish they didn't do that or they don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, I think like some of the biggest mistakes is based like following like some kind of playbook that others um, specify. So this playbook is usually like, you know, I need to raise money or um, I need to move like really, really fast. Um, yeah. Uh, so so for me, you know, it's basically like um, I would like rather, you know, follow like some creative like playbook of your own. Uh, try to find like your own way through this. Um, and then also maybe like challenging, you know, the status quo, because like if you're doing every, like something like everybody else, then you will probably have like the same outcome as everybody else, which is based like 95% failure <laughs> rates. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is just like short term thinking and like not really aligning the, the incentives. Um, so like short-term thinking is basically like, you know, I want this to succeed in three months, you know, like good luck with that because like most things they think a freaking long time, like much longer than three months. <laughs> uh, and the second thing is maybe also just like, you know, the incentives is kind of like, okay, I want to just like get rich. Uh, and, you know, for me, you know, you can probably get much easier rich by other means than like founding a startup because like it's really really hard uh and um yeah like for me for instance like i was headhunted like due to my like social network experience i could have been a very early em employee in facebook and i would probably have made like a lot of money doing that um but you know uh yeah and it would probably have been much easier than the route that i have to uh taken um but I don't really think like it's uh, it's it's really worth it. So yeah, so that's something I would like really speculate along. Like your in incentive kind of like needs to be aligned, and maybe like the alignment should be that you're really like, passionate about the problem you're solving. Uh, like maybe you're the like the user of the problem that you're solving, <laughs> uh, because that also makes it much easier to kind of build stuff. Like you don't need to guess. Um, yeah. So those are just like some, some that come up uh, to my mind. No, I think those are all amazing and, and relevant points and something that, again, you know, trying to reshape the way people think about starting a startup and, and going down this path. Um, I think you're completely right in saying, yeah, don't follow the playbook. You know, it's quite interesting, actually. The last four episodes I've done, all of the founders... I've all said something along the lines of don't take too, don't take too much advice, you know, figure it out. Um, and you know, you need to charter your own path. I think that's the, I think that is the most important thing. I think for the next episodes, that's all anyone's going to hear. Like there is no playbook. You, you know, you create your own playbook that that's entrepreneurship. You know, if we were all copying what everybody else did, 
there'll be no originality, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to, yeah, sorry. No, I have like some, like another tip and this is like basically to everybody and, you know, something I think that's kind of like a, my super skill is basically like, you know, growth mindset and learning, uh, you know, like even right now, like I spent a ton of my time just like learning stuff. Um, and like really being, when you say learning stuff, learning anything or learning things that are relevant to the business. You know, I'm kind of like curious, but a lot of like my interest is kind of like related to the business uh, <laughs> because that's kind of like my passion as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. like just being curious and like learning stuff. I mean, for instance, even like some other outside stuff, like I mentioned decentralized finance, that's something that I'm like very passionate into right now. Uh, I'm not sure like if we have any <laughs> relation to this, uh, the company, but um you know, um, that I think is like a super skill that is like very, very uh, critical to kind of like nurture uh, because I think that is something that will like be applicable, like uh, especially as a founder, because like you must master so many different things um, and you must like grow so much during the journey. You know, like, uh, you know, I started like as a developer, like a single uh, developer. And then, like, you know, <laughs> learning management skills, marketing, design, like, you know, like, and managing all of these fields, like, it's really, really tough. Uh, yeah. So that's something, like, I can really recommend is kind of, like, try to, like, yeah, become, like, a learning machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did you learn about management? Were, you know, was it books, courses, webinars? Like, is it a mixture of the two? Did you have a coach? Like, how, how did you? How did you go about learning and developing those skills? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like people are so lucky right now uh, and they are probably not even aware of it, but like there's so much great stuff. Like there's so many great books, uh, you know, uh, and so many great podcasts where you can actually like learn from like the best people in the world at different uh, skills. Um, uh, you know, yeah. when I started out, like there was like, you know, maybe Hacker News and it was like super nerdy. And then a few books like, <laughs> like uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, Andy Gross, uh, uh, High Output Management. That was probably the book uh, that inspired me a lot uh, early on. But right now, there's like so much great stuff that you can actually learn like so many great things. Uh, and there's like so many resources and so many ways, like even like, you know, you could do it by watching YouTube as well. Like <laughs> if you're more like a visual and uh, like... Uh, Learner, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's there's a great tip, script, great advice, and again, you know, continuous learning is a, again another theme that comes up quite a lot. Um, you know, just learning new things. You know, like you said, you didn't know anything about analytics, which it, it was crazy. You didn't have any analytics on on to do this in the early days, and then you eventually got there. Um, I want to walk towards. I want to work towards wrapping up, but I had a question around your latest product, which is Twist. So how did Twist come about? Uh, <laughs> you know, nothing in my like storylines is very simple. <laughs> it, it's straightforward, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing with Twist is kind of like we were actually using Slack and we thought like Slack was an awful tool. Um, like, uh, uh, <laughs> and like it was a really great product, but the problem is like really the, the, the model like uh, being online all the time, chit-chatting all the time, like that was really, really not the kind of culture we wanted to to have. And it also like make people super stressed because we were kind of spread around many different time zones. Uh, 
which meant that you actually needed to be online like at odd hours uh, all the time. Um, and really thought like, you know, this is really bad for our productivity, but also like for our mental health. Um, and then we looked at the market and like everybody was just like copying Slack. Uh, so we thought like, yeah, there must be a better way to do this. And that's where like kind of twist came into this, like, you know, creating an asynchronous first tool that kind of like, you know, made it possible to kind of like have slower conversations, longer conversations, not like this chat environment where you need to like have like real time all the time as soon as possible mentality, but more like, okay, you know, I'm going to go in and process my stream, respond to people and then go back and do deep work. Um, yeah. So that is basically the journey we have been on for like three or four years. And it's only now, you know, that people are like waking up and figuring out like asynchronous, you know, first combined with remote first. That's actually like the, like, um, uh, the, the magic sauce, uh, that can make like, you know, maybe future of work possible because a lot of other companies like have also figured this out. Like if you look at the remote first companies that have actually done this in a very successful way, like Basecamp, they are asynchronous first, Zapier, asynchronous first, GitLab, automatic, etc. Um, so I think like that's really something critical here. And that's where like twist fits in is basically like, creating, you know, the like communication tool that can kind of enable deeper work, but also, you know, enable like remote first and fully distributed companies to kind of flourish. Wow. That's such a, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's a great idea and it makes so much sense because, you know, one of the things you hear so much about from other companies who use Slack is like, yeah, Slack's great, but it can be quite overwhelming. You know, you take your eye off Slack for five minutes and you've got a thousand <laughs> messages and it's like, where do I go? Who do I start? Like what's relevant to me? So I think this idea of slow communication is, is quite, quite amazing actually. Um, and I love the fact that you said, Slack is not a great product. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, $27 billion company. Um, but, you know, I haven't met anyone who has said completely wholeheartedly that Slack is the best thing that they've used. So, yeah, you, I think you're onto something. I think you might be onto another another hit here. Um, I, might, I might check it out with some of the communities and teams that I, I, I work with. Um, so, cool. So, look, I mean, I want to work towards wrapping up now. We've had such a great chat. I'm sure we can chat all day long. I mean, there's just so many things that we could unpack, you know, even like, you know, actually here's another question for you. How were you thinking about the guerrilla marketing aspect? So I know you said you learned about marketing and that was a thing, but were there any specific books that you read or, or anything that kind of stood out to you when you were like, okay, this is going to work, like, I'm going to do this. Cause you didn't go down the whole, let's spend money on Facebook, let's spend money on you know, LinkedIn or wherever people are, you were kind of like really methodical when, you know, I'm quite intrigued to know, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, I mean, something to know is like when I go into something, uh, I try to kind of like go in and figure out like what is, you know, what is the best stuff that I can, like, who is the, like the best authors, like the best books, the best, like, you know, podcasts about this. And then I go just like deep into that. Um, and I'm actually not sure like where I got the ideas from, uh, but maybe like Seth Godin. Um, I'm actually not sure if I pronounce his name right. Uh, Seth Godin, yeah. Uh, Seth Godin. Like he, like his books were like a really huge inspiration early on for me. But kind of like 
you know, I see saw the world in a whole new light. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so you know, um, that's what I would recommend is maybe just like try to get inspired by like just trying to learn from the best, and then you know, like some great ideas pop up. You know, such as like you know, pitching like life hacker. <laughs> uh, uh, but of course, like you can't really do that right now. So, like, what you really need to have is kind of like a baseline understanding, and then like creativity to figure out like what is your strategy to tackle this hard problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a <laughs> that's a that's great great advice. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of Seth Godin as well. Um, and, and again, you know, similar to you, actually, I love to kind of like learn and immerse myself into various things. So whether it's podcasting, obviously podcasting is my first point of call, you know, and then it's kind of like the YouTubes and the books, et cetera. But yeah, no, absolutely. Just learn as much as you can. Okay. So I mean, look, I want to, I want to work tools wrapping up now. So at the end of each show, I always ask all guests a series of questions, rapid fire questions to just get their, their thoughts and, 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 and hear. How they think and what what they're about. So, the first one I like to ask is, what has or who has been your biggest inspiration? Yeah, um, there has been a lot of uh, people, uh, and probably somebody that comes to mind. You know, it really depends, like in which context it is. Uh, I mean, for instance, like company wise, like maybe Stripe is a great example. <laughs> I just like. Uh, I think both the founders and the company we have built is quite amazing. Uh, uh, yeah. But even, you know, some like other random stuff is like Patagonia's founder is also amazing and the whole like culture they have built there. Yeah. He, oh, I love uh, him. He's yeah. amazing. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of like inspiration sources that we could go to, but I would probably say like Stripe founders and Stripe. Yeah. The, the Collison brothers. Um, favorite podcast? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I really like invest like the best. I think, I think like, uh, I'm not sure if you know it, but uh, it's really amazing. And, uh, yeah, I had it. Second time this week, actually from another interview. Yeah. So uh, it's really amazing. Another one that's really great as well. is like acquired. Um, yeah. So, you know, like, um, but invest like the best, like Patrick is such a great host. He asks like some really great questions and, like also some of the, like, there's a lot of like learning as well into that. Like, uh, like today I, I listened about like Domino's pizza and I was just blown away. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, favorite blog? Uh, um, you know, I'm going to promote our own Duist blog. I think like, uh, you know, we have blog for almost 10 years now and it's like, about like remote first productivity and stuff like that, that can kind of empower you. So that's probably like something that, that I enjoy uh, reading a lot. No. Uh, and favorite, favorite blog. Uh, Philip, I just answered that. Did you hear me? Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> I, I said favorite book. Uh, uh, favorite book or favorite blog? Book. Oh, book. book. I, I heard about the. the <laughs> I had a blog. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. So favorite book. Oh. Yeah. Really hard, Philip. 
Um, <lacht> Geil. Ja. Oh, ich. Oh, there are so many, but uh, yeah. Okay, so in the whole um, in the whole like spirit of this, I would actually say a book that really influenced me a lot was like High Output Management by Andy Grew. Um, especially like you know the way to do like one on ones <laughs> that kind of changed the whole structure of the company, and uh, like that was really really super insightful. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a, a favorite book, but like it's something I really got a lot of, out of. Uh, yeah. High output management. Yeah. Nice. Uh, favorite Twitter account? Hmm. Oh, so hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the thing with Twitter is you can follow some amazing people. So, for instance, like I follow. Uh, somebody called Lenny Rakatsky. I'm actually unsure how to pronounce his last name, but he's basically like a product person. He has a, a a newsletter that's called Lenny's Newsletter. It's really amazing, um, and I also enjoyed like his tweeting. Uh, but honestly, like on Twitter, there's like so much great content as well, and it's a great learning source. So just like a random person um, that I think is worth following. Mm. Yep. And then um what what do you wish you could do that you currently can't do? Um I wish I could like travel faster. Yeah. Uh <laughs> wow, that's a good that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Um what what's the one thing that startups should ignore in the early days? Uh seeking investment. <laughs> mm, good. And finally, what's your vision or what's your goal for the company? I know your exit strategy is death. <laughs> but but uh, apart from that, what's kind of like the goal? What's the vision? I mean, like, you know, 25 million users, you know, 50 million in revenue. This is success to many people in, in, in the world that we come from, right? So, like, what's next? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of like you set higher and higher goals. And right now, like, we really want to kind of like reinvent like the tools and processes and like kind of like reimagine how work should be done. Uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, if you can kind of like create a full solution uh, for future work, then I would be like very happy. That's awesome. Amir, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I have so many friends who use this product. Well, that when I told them I was going to interview you, they said, "Awesome! Do you think you can give me a discount code for <laughs> to do it?" I said, I, "I'm not going to ask him that." But um, it's uh, you know, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to get in contact with you um, and learn more, you know, where can they get in contact with you? Uh, on Twitter, it's amix3k. A M I X 3K. I tweet quite often, and I try also to like you know share my knowledge. Um, yeah, so please follow me and also message me if you have any specific questions. Yeah, Philip, thanks a lot for having me here, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, and I wish you the best of luck as well with everything. Thank you so much, I, I appreciate that. There's so much to 
to, to, to delve in here and so many gems. And I think you've encouraged so many people to kind of like think differently about how they approach startups. Um, I, I think your message is one that needs uh, to permeate the startup ecosystem a lot more. Um, and I think there's a lot of teachings and I, and, I, and I think there's a lot of things that startups just need to rethink and just go back to the drawing board and kind of like do away with a lot of information. I mean, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, there's a ton of resources out there and people can go on YouTube or listen to podcasts and, and, and what have you. But I think sometimes there's a lot of noise in that as well and the message that comes through can be the wrong one as well that is definitely true that is definitely true so look great to have you on thank you so much Uh, bye bye just want to say another huge thank you to Amir for coming on the show and as you heard his exit strategy is death I don't think I've ever heard anything like that in my life but you know I respect it for it I respect it As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the Apple Podcasting app or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. They honestly do go a long way. Until next time, guys, keep grinding.